Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. I always say I'm Mike Kachopoli, but I never ask who you are. Who are all of you people, really? Is that like an existential question? I don't know. Who are you? I always tell you who I am. Everyone else is kind of anonymous. A lot of anonymous people on this platform, right? They don't use their real name. Why not? What's the big deal? Excuse me, I'm going to sip a Red Bull. Mm -hmm. Last night in New York. Sounds like a movie. Yes, this is my last night in New York. It's my last night in vacation. So tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to be heading back to San Francisco. Don't you see? You can tell how thrilled I am, right? You can probably hear how thrilled I am in my voice that I'm heading back to San Francisco tomorrow. But uh, everyone I can find here, I tell them I'm not, I'm not happy in San Francisco. Get me out. Help. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. You know, and they all they all think, why? We're in New York City. Come on. You don't want to come here. You know, it's not like, was it, is it better here or something? Yes, it's better. They don't get it. They don't get it. You know, Ron DeSantis just, I, I didn't know he was in San Francisco. He just did some kind of a, a little um, ad from San Francisco, his you know, campaign ad. And uh, he was standing in San Francisco in the middle of all the filth. And he was talking about how bad it is there. Talking about, how the, you know, the once great city of San Francisco. But I tell people, yeah, you have a lot of problems in New York. You have Kathy Hochul. You have the... Uh, She's the Wicked Witch of the East. You have Shaft, Mayor Shaft. He's he's a moron, you know. Um, but it's not as bad, not nearly as bad as we have it in uh, in San Francisco, you know, where it really seems as though uh, progressivism has really reared its ugly head the most there. And, you know, we've talked about the reasoning before. I talked last week about the reasoning, about how New York's a big tourist destination. So while New York definitely took a very big hit and the COVID policies here were probably second, draconian second only to California, um, the hit it took here, that New York City took, it was able to recover. It's recovering better than San Francisco because San Francisco wasn't the, you know, big tourist destination that New York City was. So New York City had, I guess the, the word I can use is uh, money in the bank. The phrase I could use is, is cachet, money in the bank. And they could afford to take that hit more than San Francisco. San Francisco couldn't afford to take the hit that New York City took. So San Francisco is not back. It's not coming back. It's not like, you know, the, 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 the quote unquote leaders there. And I, and I hate to call them leaders because they're anything but they're, 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 followers, um, they think that, okay, New York City came back first. San Francisco will be months, a year behind. No, it's not. Because trust me, I was in New York. Well, I was in New York. <clears throat> I've been in New York a lot since COVID started. Uh, the first time I came to New York during COVID was June of 2020. So just three months into it. And remember, they were talking about how New York was hit worse. Remember how they were talking about New York was hit the worst, right? They hit the worst, much worse than San Francisco, right? New York was hit really bad. So I went to New York in, in, in June of 2020. And I will tell you, in June of 2020, New York was still in better shape than San Francisco, even though it was hit harder 
by COVID, right? So even just three months into it, it wasn't coming back. It wasn't thriving. There were no tourists here, but it was still, it was still better than San Francisco, you know, and it's gotten progressively better. I've come every six months, maybe a year since in 2021, 2022, and now 2023, it's gotten progressive. Every time I come back, it's better and better and better. Every time I come back, it feels more and more normal, but not San Francisco. In fact, San Francisco is going the opposite way. This is what the people there who are running the city don't tell you. It's going the opposite way. It's gotten worse year by year. San Francisco is worse now than it was in 2021. I don't want to hear about tourists coming back. I don't want to hear that. It's First of all, it's not true. And second, it doesn't matter because the homeless population has exploded exponentially over the last two to three years, right? So while businesses were closing down, homelessness was going up. So while the, the small businesses were failing, homelessness is thriving. And so San Francisco is going in the opposite direction of New York, okay? The, uh, the total opposite direction. And... Um, it's not coming back. It's in a death spiral, a downward spiral. It is well on its way to becoming what you know, Detroit was in the 80s and 90s. It's well on its way. It will be that. It will be that. And everyone that goes there can't believe what they're seeing. People here can't believe what I say. When I say things like, you know, the homelessness seem to outnumber the people who are homeless. They don't believe me, but it is true. The homelessness have taken that there are, you know, there are 10 cities on every block, not like a, a tent city where it's like one part of the city, like, like, um, remember Central Park in the depression, right? Was tent city, right? That was the famous tent city. That's everywhere in San Francisco. It's not like they've only taken over one park. It's everywhere. It's the parks. It's the street corners. It's the, it's the, um, entrances to businesses. It's everything, right? So. People can't believe when I say that. They say, oh, no, no, it can't be that bad. It is. It is. It can't be worse than New York. Yeah, it is worse than New York. Yeah. You don't know how good you got it here in New York. Simply because it's a huge tourist destination. And that has really helped, right? And it's a world-class city. And it's got things like Broadway, right? There's no Broadway in San Francisco. There's no Wall Street in San Francisco. So New York has those built-in institutions that were just going to bounce back no matter what, right? In time, they were going to bounce back. San Francisco doesn't have that. It doesn't have that. It's losing small businesses, right? Every week, another business close. Another week, another corporation leaves, right? Whether it's the Verizon leaves or AT&T leaves or the Westfield Mall leaves or a movie theater closes down. Um, it's constant. It's going to get worse, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And what they'll do is they'll lie. They'll put out numbers that are fudged, that say, oh, look, don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe what you're living every day. Things are getting much better. Look, look at the numbers. It's all garbage. It's all nonsense. The, the mayor's a, she's a, she's a total fucking disaster. She's a fucking disaster, right? Look, this, this woman makes $350,000 a year, London breed. And, uh, $350,000 a year. She's the wealthiest mayor in the world. People don't understand that. She gets paid the most, right? More than major cities like London and New York. And she's too cheap to get a blue check mark on Twitter. This woman doesn't have a blue check mark on Twitter. Now she'll say bullshit like, I don't want to support Elon Musk. 
but she's on Twitter all the time supporting herself, right? She's promoting her, her fake news about the city. So put your money where your mouth is. And if you're not going to support Elon Musk, delete your Twitter account. But she's a hypocrite like all Democrats, and she's a liar, and she's too cheap to get a blue check mark, right? So this is where we stand. This is like – this is the mayor that you remember she was dancing. She was feeling the – what was she calling? She was feeling the rhythm. What would she say in the middle of COVID? She was feeling something. She was feeling it. Um, and everyone else couldn't go out. You know, you had to wear a mask or you had to have a vaccine passport. And uh, and she's out there with no mask on, you know, uh, screaming and yelling at a club because she was feeling it. You know what I'm saying? And you can say stuff like when the people who vote you in are morons, you can say stuff like that. If the people who were voting weren't total assholes, you couldn't say something like that. You couldn't say I was feeling the spirit, feeling the spirit. You couldn't say I was feeling the spirit. You would immediately lose. You'd immediately be recalled or impeached or the next election you'd lose in a landslide. But she knows the people in her city are idiots. She's black. She's a woman. Surprise, she hasn't said she's lesbian. And that's all she needs. That's all she needs. So she can do whatever she wants. She can spit in the face of anybody. She can spit in the face of the white man. No one cares. She's a black woman. She has the right to do that. And so this is which she can get away with forever, right? And this is what I've talked about. I've talked about, I've talked to people in my family who are, some of them are liberals and some of them are conservatives and the conservatives I've talked to and I've said, you know, we're all in the same boat. These people keep voting these morons in. They keep voting the same people in. Even if they're complaining about the way things are, even if they're complaining about their quality of life, it's, uh, they keep voting the same people in. So when you're in that cycle, of ignorance, um, things probably will never change and they're never going to get any better. So why did I start this 10 minutes ago? Oh, yeah, I'm going back to San Francisco tomorrow. So I'm a little depressed. My last night in New York City, how, how do I spend it? With you people. That's not so bad, though, right? That's not so bad. I don't want to seem too pathetic. But um, I always need a vacation from a vacation. Do you need a vacation from a vacation? I think, once again, I talked about this yesterday at the beginning of the show. I think a real vacation is going to like um, like Karthik, right? He's in Maui, right? You go to Maui. You go to Maui and you just relax for a week or two. That's it. You don't do it. No hustle and bustle, no running anywhere. You know, here in New York, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm running all around. I'm taking the subway everywhere. I'm seeing people. I'm exhausted. So this is not a real vacation. This is just like a... Uh, a uh, change of scenery. That's all it is, basically, is a change of scenery. It's a nice change of scenery, but it's still not a real vacation. And I'm exhausted, you know. So uh, tomorrow there won't be a show, by the way. I'll tell you ahead of time, because uh, I'm not good on getaway days. And I have a six-hour flight from New York to San Francisco tomorrow. That's the longest flight in the world. It'll feel like 12 hours, you know. And uh, I'm not rich, so i got to go and coach with the peasants and uh, and it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> so luckily I got an aisle seat. That's good. Cause I have usually in a six hour trip, I have to pee like eight times because they tell you to drink a lot of water on a long flight to avoid like jet lag and issues. So I'm like drinking six bottles of water. I can't be in a middle seat or a window seat because I'm going to bother people too much. I don't like doing that. You know, so I'm going to be a disaster tomorrow night. And remember it's three hour difference. So if like, I'm going to be totally jet lagged. So there'll be no show. There'll be no Wednesday show, but I will be back on Thursday and it's going to be the regular 
time, people. So you got to stay up later if you want to listen to me live. It'll be once again 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, starting again on Thursday night. Um, so just to just this house, what do they call that? House cleaning. Why do they call that house cleaning? I I, I don't I don't clean my own place. I hire somebody. <laughs> I should have someone else come on and talk about my schedule. Um, but we have a, a bit of a show here tonight. We have a lot to talk about. We have Jenny from the block and William Shakespeare. You can tell I'm tired and people nicknames here uh, on uh, on hold, and they'll be on in a second. The things I basically don't want to cover is the Trump interview is getting a lot of uh, the, with the bear, Brett Bear is getting a lot of attention. And, uh, uh, it, it's it, it's to the point where everyone's talking about it, and there are a million clips that I'd like to play. All right, and uh, Bill, it just gets a little. I find it gets a little messy when you have three people talking at once. I know you guys are good at this, but it's it's just. I think two people talking is great, but three it gets a little. Then it becomes like a party room. You know, it's, it's just t- people talk over each other. I find that. It's, it doesn't sound right. And I remember, Bill, I'm a guy that worked in radio for 10 years. And we never, ever, I'm trying to think, never, ever had three people on at once. Always the host and a guest or the host. Well, I can't say that. I'm lying. I'm lying. Sometimes it would be a host and a guest. And I did it on this show, right? I've done it on this show where I have a guest and I take callers. But I try not to talk too much. You know, that's what I mean. It's like if I'm on with a guest and I have people call in and talk to the guest I'm like Larry King. Remember, Larry King would do that, and he wouldn't talk much. He would let the caller talk to the guest. But when you have three people talking at the same time, it's a little, a little, a little difficult. A little difficult. Um, but I just before I put anybody on, I want to, uh, I maybe want to play some Trump clips because Trump is sounding like a total moron. He just is. He continues to sound like a moron. And he's saying things that make absolutely zero sense. So Brett Baer really challenged him. You know, I wish uh, Sean Hannity had challenged Gavin Newsom the way Brett Baer challenged Donald Trump. But Brett Baer is better than than uh, better interviewer than Sean Hannity. So that's probably why. But Brett Baer asked him a bunch of questions. And uh, <laughs> the first thing I, th- I spoke about yesterday and this is where Brett Bear, you know, Trump, I always hire the best people, best people, best people. And then I fire them and I badmouth them. Right. So Brett Bear is like, well, if you fire them and badmouth them, why did you how are these the best people? Why did you hire them in the first place? Let's see if I can play this. Let's see if it works. I hope it works. Lately, my thing hasn't been working. The Wi-Fi hasn't been working great. Here we go. In 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous. Look, we had the best economy we've ever had. This time has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, says you shouldn't be president again. I calls you to come consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, bar a, a gutless pig. Uh, 
second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff, Mitt Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kathleen Milktoast, and multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So, why did you hire all of them in the first place? So, he's absolutely right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Look, the answer is simple. Trump's an idiot. He's an egotist, right? Um, And he's crazy. So, he simply says, everything I do is great. But if things don't work out, it's because the other people are idiots. In other words, right? That's Trump's defense, basically, right? It's like, well, I do hire the best people, but um, it's, then they fuck up and it's their fault. It's, it's, it's idiotic. Of course, it's hypocritical. He's not hiring. He's either not hiring the best people or he's impossible to work with, right? And it's probably a little bit of both. He's not hiring the best people and he's impossible to work with. And he's a child, Look, this happens in business, right? It happens in politics. You hire someone, you think they're good. They might do a good job for a while, then they don't, then you fire them. But then you don't start bad-mouthing them. You don't start calling them nicknames like the fat one or the piggy or this. Because he's a fucking child. Why can't people get this? Really? Why can't people get this? It's He's a child. He shouldn't be running a country. He could barely run a business. He went bankrupt. Bill and I have talked about this. He went bankrupt five times. I mean, come on. Now listen to this. Listen to this ridiculous. Hold on a second. This is where he's asking um, about Fauci and why he didn't fire Fauci, right? Why didn't you fire? Fire him. You listen to him. No, you well, kept him a civil service for you. You're not actually allowed to fire him, but I wouldn't let that usually get in my way. You know, it's one of those things. Love so I couldn't fire him, and it's just one of those things. No, he could fire him. He had every right. What is he talking about? The president has a right to decide who he places at the head of COVID for COVID policy or any policy. What's he talking about? That's not what Brett Baer was saying. See, Trump's being in- disingenuous. It's not that he had to fire Fauci from the NIH, fire Fauci from his position, the position that he put him in, the position that he put him in, send him back to the office, send him back to Wuhan. But he kept him there. He kept him there for March, April, May, June, July, August, half a year, six months before he even decided to bring in um Atlas. And when he brought in Atlas, he still didn't fire Fauci. Because remember, Atlas talked about how he comes there in August of 2020. Remember, six months into this, this is all, a lot of this Fauci's policies are set in stone. They were really tough to change at that point. So at that point, he comes in and he comes in with all of this data. And he sits down with, with, uh, no, Fauci, Burks, and Redfield at the time, not Walensky, Redfield. And they just all overpowered him. He had all of these facts, and they basically just said, well, we don't want to hear about your facts. This is what we believe the truth is. So Fauci was still there, and Fauci won over Atlas because Trump let him. 
So Trump is full of shit. He had no balls because the media, the left-wing media, who he always seems to call fake news, enemy of the people. Remember all those these rallies he does and he points back at them with the cameras, those people, and he puts his hand back and forth. All of a sudden he's afraid of them because they're going to get mad if he fires Fauci. And I believe at one point he even said that the media will get mad at me. I'm not going to fire him. That's not leadership. Nothing leaders. Nothing leadership. That doesn't lead. That's that's a follower. That's a follower. That's what a follower is. Now here's Brett Baer talking about the vaccine. Listen to this one. I gotta gotta cue it up. Good. Such an interesting question, because not only that, I also did the Regenerons of the world, you know, the whole, we did a tremendous job on that, uh, but we had a vaccine, you, know, you have difference, you have different COVIDs, you had COVID-19, and then you had different strains. but we had an original was COVID-19, which was the roughest one, so I have a Democrat friend who's very smart, Hopefully he was made, but he's very smart. He said, I don't understand one thing about you. I watch your rallies. They're incredible. You talk about beating ISIS. You talk about taxes. You talk about uh, regulation. You talk about everything. But you never saw said that I've never heard you talk about how the incredible job you did with the vaccines. Because, as you know, I got them done in nine months. And it was supposed to take anywhere from five to 12 years. I broke their ass. Okay. And you know who doesn't like me too much? The FDA because they were very bureaucratic, and I got it done. And he said, you may have saved in the world, throughout the world, 100 million people, and you never talk about it. I said, I really don't want to talk about it, because as a Republican, it's not a great thing to talk about, because for some reason, it's just not. For some reason? Yeah, for some reason, because people love the vaccines, and people hate the vaccines. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? He broke the FDA's ass. He broke the FDA's ass. What's he talking about? Big Pharma, the FDA, they couldn't wait to get this stuff out. What is he speaking of? Does it make any sense? What is this, I saved some guy? Who's this some guy who said he saved 100 million lives? What did what, what fat ass did he pull that fucking number out from? 100 million? How do you save 100 million? How do you save a third of the country with a virus that has a, a, an infection a, a mortality rate less than the fucking flu of like 0. .001? How do you save 100 million people? What the fuck is he talking about? He's an idiot. This guy is a total idiot. Yeah, he doesn't talk about the vaccine much because when he, when he mentions the vaccine at his rallies, even his cult boos him. That's how bad it is. And he says, for some reason, conservatives don't like the vaccine. And Brett Baer says, for some reason? Now, there are many reasons why conservatives don't like the vaccine. There's many reasons why people with a brain and common sense and knowledge of science don't like the vaccine. He's full of, he, first of all, the more he talks, the more trouble he gets himself with, with Republican voters. All right. So the vaccine, he's dead because Republican voters hate the vaccine, right? They're dead. Fauci, he's dead because Republican voters hate Fauci. Okay. And he has no good answer for either of them, right? For either of them. Now, here's another one. This is this is actually Trump at a then I'll get to calls. This is actually Trump at a rally. This is Trump telling voters in Iowa that we have lost. Oh, oh, oh an Iowa voter told Trump we've lost people because you supported the jab. OK, 
And here, here's, uh, here's more of his reaction to that. I'm getting it done very, very. Everybody wanted a vaccine at that time, and I was able to do something that nobody else could have done, getting it done very, very rapidly. But I never was for mandates. I was. I thought the mandates were terrible. And, and you know, there's a big portion of the country that thinks that was a great thing. You understand that. Not a lot of the people in this room, but there's a big, but there is a big portion. There he is once again saying how his voters, Republican voters, um, sorry, here hate the vaccine but some people love them well yeah democrats liberals love the vaccine is that his new base the liberal democrat we've talked about this how trump is running way to the left of desantis he might as well be running against rfk jr and biden in the democratic primary that's what he might as well be doing he's now on the side of a liberal democrat when he says some people love vaccine he's not talking about republicans he's talking about democrats so this Republican voter said, we've lost people because you supported the jab, right? We've lost people because you supported the jab. Now, when he says that people wanted the vaccine at the time, remember how he and others promoted that vaccine in 2020, that it would bring us back to normal. You get this jab and it automatically goes back to normalcy. It will stop the spread of COVID. These jabs will stop the spread of COVID. So he lied, just like everyone else lied in 2020. Sure, people were being forced because of Donald Trump. Remember, he supported lockdowns. He said, thank goodness we did lockdowns. So because of Donald Trump and a lot of Democratic governors, and some Republicans too, people were desperate to get back to normal. They were being forced to pray for the vaccine because the vaccine would get them back to normal and it would end COVID, right? Within a few months, COVID would be gone. So the whole thing was a lie. So he was part of that lie. People no longer wanted the vaccine in 2021 and 2022 when it wasn't preventing anything and people were getting sick and dying from it. So this is, Donald Trump is in a very odd place. He really is. He's in a very, very odd place. Um, that the father of the vaccine can't talk about the vaccine, right? He can't talk about it. The guy who put Fauci front and center can't talk about Fauci. He has no accomplishments when it comes to COVID. That's the problem, right? He has no real accomplishments when it comes to COVID. They're all failures. The lockdowns were failures. The, The vaccines were failures, masking everything was failures and that that whole thing he said by the way i didn't support mandates that's total nonsense he didn't support mandates he wasn't president he didn't support mandates after he saw republicans didn't like mandates but i'm telling you right now that this guy the father of the look biden adopted the vaccine and he put in mandates you don't think the father of the vaccine would have supported mandates i think trump is full of shit he would have definitely supported mandates. The reason why he says that now, that's like he says now he didn't support the Iraq war, right? Because it's now known that people didn't support the Iraq war, right? But at the time he did, and if he was running for president as a Republican, he would have, because Republicans supported the Iraq war for a very long time. So the same thing with COVID. He definitely would have supported the mandates, right? Because he saw when he was no longer president, 
in 2021, 2022, that people didn't like the mandates in the Republican Party. Now it's an easy, you see what happened? He said, I never supported the mandates and those idiots applauded. It's an easy applause line, but he's full of shit as usual. So the Brett Bear interview is really good. Don't know how you can watch that and think Trump has any chance, whether it be a Trump supporter or to think that he has any chance of, uh, of becoming president, of winning that nomination. There's no chance. No chance at all. And it, later I'll play a little clip of DeSantis, as I mentioned earlier, in San Francisco, talking about uh, the city of San Francisco and what's, uh, and what's happened to it. But let's get to some calls. Talking too much. Jenny, how you doing? I watched that Brett Bear interview this morning, so I'm glad you're talking about it. Think about it. Yeah, it was, it was um, interesting. I mean... He, he repeats himself so much when he talks, you know, it just goes round and round and it's annoying. And it is good, I think, to see journalists actually behaving like journalists. And they all do when Trump's being interviewed. There's no softball interviews. They just go at him. And so I wish we saw that more equally across the board. I have pretty much determined that I'm going to vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. for 2024. I really like him and I want to support his message. So you're going to support you, what are you registered as, by the way? I'm an independent. So you can vote in either primary, right? Well, in Colorado, you do need to affiliate with a party to get a get on the primary, get a primary ballot. So I think I'm probably just going to do that, so I could, just so I can vote for Robert. So you would rather vote in the Democratic primary than the Republican primary, right? I really don't like the Republican candidates very much. I really feel like Robert's got the message for the moment. And I, because I'm unaffiliated, I don't feel any sort of, you know, allegiance to a party one way or the other. I'm all about mm. the actual candidate. So right. I'm, cur- I'm curious why you're going back to San Francisco if it's so horrifying. Well, there's life, Jenny. You know, it's like I'm not, I'm not I, don't have, I don't have Kennedy's money or Trump's money where I can just say, well, I'm staying here. You know, I'll. Get in a pile. I'll stay in a hotel for a couple of months for twenty grand, and <laughs> and then find an apartment. You know, so I have my apartment in San I Francisco. Know, I didn't know this is why you changed the time of your show that you were back east because your your California hours are so late for me. It's almost impossible to participate. But I'm so glad I've been able to participate for a couple of days here. Yeah, well, you so, can always listen to the replay if you really I, want I to. Do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I um, to tell you that um, my husband was working in Detroit during the decline down at the GM building right downtown mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 80s. And so he had the commute and we were watching the city descend into chaos at, during the, that time. And there was one day I needed the car. So I drove him to work that morning. And when I went down to pick him up, uh, a homeless guy landed right across my hood while I was at a stoplight and had a, the squeegee and he wanted to clean my window. And he was just so high on something. Mm. And it really freaks me out because I was pregnant with our first baby. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a moment, you know, that I was like, I don't think I want to be here. And right. then I was almost raped riding on the bus, coming home to our apartment. Oh my and God. then a year later, I actually was raped, gang raped. And oh it was like, goodness. we are getting out of here. And it was the best thing I ever did was to just yeah. raise raise my kids somewhere else. We came out to Boulder, Colorado. So, you know, I'm curious why you wouldn't just like say I've had enough. Well, that's coming. Oh, it's it's there. Okay. I mean, I'm there. Yeah, I'm just basically, you know, what do you, what do you call that when you're getting everything in order? 
you know, I have to, there's a lot to, like, there's a lot I have to do and work out before I can actually just pack up and leave. But it won't be from New York or Colorado. It'll be Florida. You know, I, I right. will go to Florida. You know, but, um, Jen, who is, who else? Jennifer Say. She's the one that also moved, right, from San Francisco to Colorado because she wanted her kids to be able to go to school. And uh, they couldn't go to school in San Francisco. So well, my daughter and her husband own a house that they're renting. It's a nice family house close to the schools. And um, they recently had one of the, the people renting say, I have to leave in the middle of their contract. So they just put it out there. You know, anybody, they immediately had 30 people contact them, which has never happened. Really? You know, and there's so much demand for housing right now because people are fleeing from California. It's all California coming to Colorado. And so um, I was just wondering what it would take to get you to go. But Colorado is a blue state. Right. 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 I mean, blue. I'm in they, Boulder, which is like yeah. pur- purple blue. <laughs> so they, they had the same issues with COVID lockdowns and masking and mandates and all that stuff. Right. Jared Polis wasn't much better. He kind of got it, but late. You yeah, know, Pol- I mean, Polis was unusual because, and I think this is because he had been a businessman right. and he has a great respect for the local businesses, but there, there came a day when he was like, all right, Colorado's done with all this. And so he did it in a way that um, was surprising to many of us who are more conservative. We're like, well, go Polis, you know, let's open mm-hmm. things up. And he did, but yeah, he was one of the later ones. Ron DeSantis really gets the credit for being the bravest governor. I oh, think. without doubt. Yeah. I mean, Abbott to an extent and, and, uh, Kemp to an extent and, uh, the, the guy Ducey who was there in Arizona at the time to an extent, you know, but DeSantis is the one who showed the way, right? Yeah, he does. DeSantis is like, this is like the uh, case study <laughs> for how to do it the right way. You know, the, the anti-lockdown way. It's yeah. perfect timing. You think about what would have happened if Hillary Clinton had been president during all of that, I, I think those of us who refused to get vaccinated would have been rounded up and sent to camps. I, I really think that would have happened under a Hillary Clinton presidency. And yeah. right now, I think it would have been horrifying for the unvaccinated if she had been in power. And so in that regard, I do think Trump helped in the sense that um, there was never really any talk about that sort of thing. You know, it was actually happening down in New Zealand and mm. Australia. They were mm. rounding people up and taking them away. And so I I diverge with you on some of the things Trump did. I don't think it was all a wash. Uh, one well, of the things he did was on a crucial day. Yeah. They were all condemning hydroxychloroquine. And he said, well, I, I'm taking it. And the media just went bananas because yeah. that was that was the, the thing you couldn't say, you know. It, it was mm. it was only what crazy people did. And here's the president saying, oh, I'm taking it. And there yeah. were many protocols that used hydroxychloroquine. Uh, Rev Zelensky, do you remember him? Yes. His protocol saved lives. The, I, I'm going to disagree with you on Trump, on the whole thing about rounding people up. It's not, it's not Trump that prevented that. It's our constitution. We have something that none of these other countries have, which is the U.S. Constitution and the Supreme Court. And that's what really prevented a lot of that, right? That That's what prevented any president, whether they're Republican or Democrat or, or governors, doing that to people, was the U.S. Constitution. It's the protections we have from the Constitution of the United States. Hillary Clinton wouldn't have been able to do that stuff either. So 
I think Trump was a disaster. I look, I think his first three years were pretty good. Policy wise, you know, the economy was in pretty good shape. All the countries, uh, you know, the um, other nations were afraid to do anything because he was a madman and they didn't know what he would have done. <laughs> so his unpredictability kept them all at bay, like Kim Jong-un and Putin and China and all that stuff. But then COVID hit. Now, look, that's a big deal because once again, it's easy to be a good president when everything's peaceful and going well and the economy's going well. But then something like COVID happens, right? 9-11 might happen. Maybe World War II happens, something like that. And that's when you really show what your, your medal is. And he failed. He did. He just didn't take a strong enough stance. Ron DeSantis, we know because he did it as governor, would have taken a stronger stance. What, you remember Ron DeSantis went to some event and there were like a bunch of kids standing behind him and they all had masks on. And DeSantis said, you take those off. You can take those off. Yeah. Trump would never do something like that. He didn't, you know, he, he kind of made fun of Biden with that stupid big black mask he wore, which is very funny. But he never said things like, here, these are these are worthless. Burn these. He said kick Fauci, the little elf over the Yes, Potomac. right. Yeah, that was why didn't Trump, why didn't, you know, Trump has no problem bullying, uh, punching down, right? Bullying uh, uh, his former press secretary or pre- people in the press. Why not bully Fauci then? Because he's not, because he's a, he is a classic bully, which is picking on people who are weaker than him. He doesn't bully people who are perceived by others to be as strong or stronger than him. And that's the difference between him and Ron DeSantis. And well, I do think what he said to Brett was true. He said, I, I would like to be more kind in my speech, but I feel like if I had allowed everybody to walk all over me, well, I wouldn't have survived. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. I'm going to call bullshit on that, too. Trump gets his support because of people who like that about him. Now, I like that about him. Right. That's what I said. That's what I mean. So I think he's full of crap. He doesn't want to be kinder and gentler. He'd have no support if he was kinder and gentler. But I think because he's kind of this belligerent guy, I think, sure, a lot of people don't like him. I know liberals who can't stand him because of that. I think he's a, a, you know, he's, he's a, he's a belligerent fool. But the people who like him often say he's not afraid to speak like that, like in an anti, politician way and i do get that to an extent but at some point you got to realize you aren't a podcast host you're the president of the united states of america and there's a difference and trump really does come at his campaigning is very much like a talk show host you know and i love that as a talk show host i, I listen to that all the time i work with a guy like that I could be like that sometimes. But as president of the United States, you kind of have a little bit more decorum. You don't got to be a phony. You don't got to be prepackaged. You, look at Ron DeSantis. Well, Ron DeSantis years, is not belligerent, but he's, he's not a phony, but he's much more polished and he understands the office he's in and he's running for, right? And I think that's the big difference between the two of them also. You get... Ron DeSantis is not afraid. Take those masks off. I'll kick the I'll kick the elf across the Potomac. He's not afraid to tell the liberal media, hey, look, he's done it many times. He's confronted them. I just gave you the facts. You want your own narrative? Fine. I just gave you. So he's not afraid to confront them, but he does it. He doesn't have like stupid nicknames for people. 
He doesn't make fun of people that were once his friend or work for him just because they don't work for him anymore because it didn't work out. Trump is a sociopath. He takes everything personally. That's a problem. He takes everything personally. Every hire that doesn't go right is a hit to his ego, and he's got to hit back. And that look at he just with Kelly McEnany. Did you see what he did to her? All she did was quote a poll, and Trump said she misquote, but he missed. The, it was such a ridiculous thing. It was like Trump is up by twenty seven points. Oh, I'm up by thirty two points. She's a she's a milquetoast moron because she was off by five points. Once again, it's like she was purposely in his deranged head. It's like she was purposely trying to hurt him by saying he was up by twenty seven points and not thirty two points. That's seriously sick. It really is. And I, I, I don't want four more years of that. I don't think you do either. Well, I, I was just going to say that for many years, I supported Mitt Romney campaign for him. I thought he would have been a perfect president. Very well spoken. He's a member of my faith. I'm a Mormon. So uh-huh. I was biased because of that, thinking he would yeah. be great. And when Trump came in, there were many of us who were like, you know, we need someone with this type of bull in a china shop personality to yeah. kind of crack some skulls and Mitt Romney just wasn't capable of that you know but no. you saw a different Mitt Romney as soon as Trump threw his hat in the ring mm-hmm. because Romney went after Trump in this right. incredibly aggressive way and it was like no Mitt has the capacity to be somewhat of a bully and aggressive but he just reserved it for a fellow Republican and so I was a little bit peeved because I think if he'd shown some of that same passion towards Barack Obama, he may have won the race. But no, he reserved it for a fellow Republican. And so it, it kind of turned me off to Romney. And there's been other issues with him that I really don't want to see him as president again or even trying. But, um, I, you know, I, I think I'm pretty much all in with Robert Kennedy Jr., he he really he's he's captured the moment in my opinion. You you have eclectic tastes to go from Romney to RFK Jr. I mean politically they're very different. Well, I've evolved as a person and I really do believe that the public health issues are and the war issues. I don't did you watch his interview with Joe Rogan? I did watch some of it, yeah. The final hour they talked about war and the military industrial complex and Ukraine and I really align squarely with his views mm. on the military. And so you know, I think that's where I would part with Ron DeSantis. I'm I understand what you're saying. So I'm independent. Now in California, I get a choice. I don't have to register as Democrat or Republican. So I have a choice. And I've always voted in the Democratic primary. So my choice is vote for the Dem you know, in March California is on Super Tuesday, like middle of March, and I can vote in either one. So here's my decision I have to make come March. And that's which primary, in other words, let's say I'm I'm DeSantis. I am. I'm DeSantis and I'm RFK Jr. I'd like both of them to win. I'd like them to be the nominees. But I have to make a decision. What candidate has the real legitimate chance of winning their respective primaries? And because the Democrats fucked me over twice with Bernie Sanders because they admitted they can fix primaries, something Republicans have never said they would do. In fact, if Republicans could fix primaries, Trump never would have won in 2016. It would have been Jeb Bush or Ted Cruz. But 
Right. So am I going to just waste my vote on someone who in California, RFK Jr. has a near zero chance of coming within 20 points of Biden in California just because of the voter. They're Newsom voters and Newsom, you know, gets on his knees for Biden every chance he gets. So until, of course, I thought Newsom might run. What do you think? No, no, he's not. He's, he's been buddy-buddy with Biden too much. I mean, it's too late now. It's getting really late to start getting in. Remember, they said this was late for Ron DeSantis to get in. So I don't, I don't think Newsom's going to get in this one. But he's so aligned with Biden because Californians love Joe Biden. So I'd waste my vote. I hate to say it, but I would waste my vote voting for RFK Jr. And then I wouldn't be helping Ron DeSantis in California. And I think it could be pretty tight between him and Trump in California. But at least we know in the Republican Party, we're going to get a fair primary. I'd rather vote. Let's put it this way. Jenny, wouldn't, I'd rather vote in a, in a fair primary where my vote matters than in a fixed rigged primary, which I've done twice already, right? I agree. You know, and there's many weeks and months that have to pass before we get to the primaries. But... Um, I really like the trajectory I'm seeing with, uh, especially this past week, with how he is resonating with the people. And I'm hearing, you know, from Democrats, Republicans, independents, who is this Kennedy and where do I where do I sign up to help him? Jenny, this sounds just like Bernie Sanders. I I heard the same things. We're getting momentum. You can't believe what I'm hearing. All of my friends are voting for Bernie. No one's voting for Hillary. No one's voting for Biden. And what happened? So I can't take that seriously. I know how the superdelegates work during Mm -hmm. the actual election. But um, I still have to, you know, agitate for what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I I think the public health stuff is front and center as, as our biggest concern going forward. Right. Once again, be, you're not. There has to be accountability for what's just. I understand happening. what you're saying, but once again, you're, you're talking about issues. <laughs> you're not. I'm on your side with RFK Jr. on issues, but I'm talking about the reality of winning a primary. That's all I'm talking about. You know, and I, you know, it, it, it's a. Kennedy would have a shot if something happened to Biden, and Kamala had to be the nominee had to run against RFK Jr. Then he might have a, 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 a you know, a chance to win. But uh, the Biden machine is very powerful. Look what happened. We didn't even talk about this yet. How about Hunter? You knew that was going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. You got a slap he, on the wrist today. Everyone said, everyone on Fox was saying that for the last three months, that he's going to get a slap on the wrist. There's no way they're going to put the president's son in jail uh, just before an election. It's never this guy could have killed somebody may may have who knows they're not going to put him in jail in the election year election cycle never going to happen so the power that biden has is very strong the democrats have a lot of money the establishment very strong you see it on twitter social media you see how they have their attack dogs out there attacking you see it right attacking rfk jr tinfoil hat whack job they're already doing the same things to him they did to Bernie Sanders, right? Too crazy, too far left, too wacky, can never win a general election, blah, 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 blah. So this is the same game over and over again. I'm not getting caught. To, I'm dumb enough to have been fooled twice. Uh, I should have only been fooled once. 
you know, and I'm not going to be fooled the third time. So I'm just going to go. I love Ron DeSantis. I think he has a much better chance of actually becoming president than RFK Jr. because of the process. And uh, I'm going to vote for him. Oh, that's great. I, uh, I think he would be a good president. Yeah. We'll just see how it all shakes out. Thank you so much for letting me participate. <laughs> of course, Jenny. Yeah. And try I to stay up late, some, maybe on a Friday. <laughs> I, I, won't, I probably won't be back just because of the late hour, but maybe some night if I'm up, I'll call in. But good luck yeah. with your show. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. Let me go to Bill. Bill? Hold on, Bill. Let me get you there. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Mike, can you hear me? Yeah. Well, I'm sure looking forward to you moving to Florida, and then you'll be in happy happy days, happy spirits. Get out of San Francisco once and for all, and yeah. life will be better. It's just a matter of time, you know? And no, you know, it's it's it, it is what it is. You know, that's where I am, right? I just happen to live in the worst city in the country. Yeah. You know what? That's my luck. Now, how did you end up out there from New York? Oh God, what's well, a long? I mean, I haven't lived. I haven't lived here in in decades. I lived here shortly. I came back in 2012. I was in Seattle for six years, and I came back to New York like for 2012, just in time actually for the presidential election in 2012. And then after the presidential election in 2012, I moved to uh, San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, been there ever since. But that's how. F- quick the decline was. I mean, I was very happy to move to San Francisco in 2012. I loved yeah. San Francisco. I'd been there several times. I had a friend who lived there. We ended, I ended up moving in with him, but uh, I loved San Francisco. I was thrilled. This is just 11 years ago, man. You know, wow. it was great. I was happy to be there. That's how quickly the decline has been. I mean, it's been a very quick decline, very fast. And most of it has happened over the last five years. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, San Francisco could not afford COVID the way New York could afford COVID. That's the problem. It just couldn't afford that kind of a hit the way New York could afford that kind of hit. But the people there are so big headed. They think they could afford that kind of a hit the way New York did. And what's been being proven now, they can't. Like, I wish everyone in San Francisco would come here for a week and see how much more New York has come back than San Francisco has with all of its problems here in New York, you know, with, with all of the, the economic issues and the crime issues and the subway problems, it's still so much better than, than San Francisco is, you know? Do you think that's because, um, New England, you know, you've got, you come into Connecticut, it was a manufacturing hub in New England at one time, Bridgeport area, Stratford, Sikorsky is still there, but, and then if you went South from New York, you'd end up in Jersey. There's a lot of, you know, manufacturing in Jersey. Whereas San Francisco, you really only have what? The tech industry, no? I mean, you know well, San that's Francisco. That's it. Right. right. New York has everything, right? It's got Broadway. Yeah. It's got Wall Street. It's got tech people. It's got the fashion district. It's got everything. Mm. Right? And you're right. San Francisco was really just had rely totally on tech. I mean, those were the first people to either leave or just work from home, right? Okay. They were the first people to say, well, why do we have to live in San Francisco? And I had friends who worked in the tech industry. And I knew one guy moved to L.A. And his job, based in San Francisco, that he used to go into every day, said, don't worry about it. Work from home in L.A. So that's what happened with a lot of tech people. 
Uh, they just left, and yeah. there's no other business there, right? Right. right. So that's that's the problem. Now, Daniel, how'd you run into Daniel? Because you guys pal around together, so he's in the same area, no? Pretty much. Yeah, uh, Daniel. We met during the COVID uh, time. We uh-huh. uh, were over like, the this over your broadcast, Twitter. and then you on Twitter. Up? Yeah, on Twitter. On, wow. Yeah, and then we just decided to get a group together of people who were of the same mindset, meaning uh-huh. no mask, no vaccine, so on and so forth. Right. And we found places that didn't require masks or vaccines. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we got to know each other. Wow, and you, it's cool because you got someone a little older than you, but pretty much the same generation, right? And then you can, you know, go places and I think that's great just even have one because I don't have anybody around here like that you know so at least you got somebody well yeah and it was um, a situation where I think there were some people in the city who were looking for like-minded people right and it was you know everyone was wondering there have to be other people out there in this city that think like me you know there have to be other people out there and you know there are there are there are some and and we ended up hooking up with others here and there and there are other groups there are bigger groups that get together. Team Reality, I think they're called. Daniel's been, uh-huh. he can talk about them. They've been to some meetings. They're a bigger um, group. They hit Berkeley a lot, and Jay Bhattacharya joins them and all that. So it's oh, like, no yeah, yeah, he shows up to meetings, you know, because he lives like in Silicon Valley area. Sure. Well, well, Stanford, you know, so, uh, yeah, so it's like the people who wanted to get out, they want to find people who thought like them because we were all going crazy thinking, yeah. I can't be the only one. Don't tell me. <laughs> right, right. Don't tell me I'm the only normal person in this city. Uh, but it turns out there were others, and there are probably many others that we never met. Right? Sure. You know, so it, it just it just stemmed from that. You know, it's almost like during times of oppression, of war, of the Holocaust, whatever, people find underground meetings, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what, what the speakeasies, right? During the depression, during the, during the prohibition, I should say, right? You find other people who are like you, and you hang out with them, you know, and you try to uh, create a sense of uh, normalcy with that group, you know. So that's what happened during COVID. You know, look, de- uh, Bill, from bad things, good things always spring, right? There are always good things that spring up Hopefully. from bad things, but I mean, societal-wise, you know, I wish there were. I wish we had met. In other ways, because it killed killed society and it killed San Francisco, it's just uh, uh, just a total you know disaster. And you know, it's not like it was a meh so so city. It was a great city, right? I mean, it was a destination that everyone wanted to go to. Everyone wanted to go to San Francisco. I talked to people who went there in the seventies and eighties and said, "God, this is like." amazing it's beautiful the hills and the mm. people are cool and hippies and love and freedom and you know and they loved it and uh it's all gone away yeah i just think i was thinking of the tony budget song you know i left my heart so left my heart in yeah. san francisco yeah right. absolutely yeah um so it's just you know it's a it's a tough it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. Yeah. You know. Well, unfortunately, uh, uh, we, we talked about the master plan of uh, outsourcing that's been t- decades in the making and that really sucked the lifeblood out of the United States manufacturing base. And so 
and with the imports of, uh, of produce uh, from around the world, um, you know, it's just uh, done a number on, on a lot of communities. But um, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, well, first of all, I have to ask one more question. How many miles, the max number of miles have you done with Daniel at one time? Have you joined him on one? No, I don't. I Not should, at all. Shouldn't I? Well, <laughs> yeah, like I'll walk like, you know, a half mile uh-huh. mile with him, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do like five miles. I, you know, <laughs> it's not. First of all, I don't know how. We'll talk when he comes on here, but I don't know how he um, does it in San Francisco because I walk five, six blocks and I encounter about twenty people who I like to choke to death <laughs> in that five block walk. So I don't know how he walks fifteen miles a day and doesn't encounter a lot of like bad people. I mean, I just, I'm always encountering people who are annoying or dangerous. I don't get it. You know, people screaming at themselves or screaming at others or walking with their pants down or taking a piss in the street. It's like, so I I, I don't know if I can walk that much. I don't get it. It's not like it's a safe city to walk in. It's really not. But I think Daniel has the kind of walk. Where it's like people like don't fuck with this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got, I and I have that walk. I have a New York walk, you know. But uh-huh. I don't know, you know. But I got my mace now. But the last thing I want to have to do is mace three people every time I go for a walk. <laughs> well, Daniel could always intimidate. Just like, just give me a minute, match this, and drop down and do a hundred push-ups. Say, yeah, now, right. you want to mess with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's those pull it's those pull ups that intimidate people. You gotta find a chin up yeah. bar somewhere real quick. Here, watch this. Yeah, I, I was just walking here in New York a couple of days ago and I saw this guy doing pull ups on the scaffolding, you know, because there's <laughs> on the no. scaffolding. You know, the scaffolding yeah. everywhere in the city. It's like right, right. it's like it's just being built. It's like a new city. And it'll be a nice city once it's finished. And he was just doing pull ups on the scaffolding, you know, body weight stuff. Hey, I guess if you can't afford a gym, that's what you got to do. That'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those were the days. So, you know, it's like you listen to Trump and you wonder, why is this guy running again? Why? He's abandoned a lot of people who were on his side, whether it's with the the lockdowns or the the vaccines or, you know, bad-mouthing DeSantis when Republicans love him. You know, I just read that... Republicans now outnumber Democrats by a half million in Florida, 500,000. Just a few years ago, when DeSantis first took office, Democrats outnumbered Republicans by like 400,000. The Democratic Party lost over 100,000 registrations just since DeSantis won last year. So I don't understand what Trump is doing. I don't know what his base. Let's put it this way. He's playing to a ever shrinking base. It's going to be only the most culty of cultists that stick with him, you know, and the people hate the vaccine. He talks about some people loved it. They're all Democrats, right? Um, he badmouths DeSantis. The only people who like that are Democrats. Uh, you know, he talks about Fauci. The only people who like Fauci were Democrats. I don't know what he's doing. He's lost. He's going to be on the defensive the whole time. Well, you know, uh, I don't know what it, you know how I feel about Donald Trump. So rather than go down that rabbit hole, I think we, you know, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, what I did want to mention is I put a bunch of stuff in the chat, but it got, 
couple of things. Uh, let me let me scroll down a little bit. Um, of course, I learned that Hotis, is that how you pronounce it? Hotis, Hotis. 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 Turns out he was directly involved with gain of functional research funding. Hang on a second. Let me find this. I couldn't believe it. The Children's Health Defense Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Vaccine industry, Peter. Insider Peter Hotez helped fund Wuhan gain of function study. Dr. Peter Hotez, who received a $6.1 million grant from the NIH for the development of a SARS COVID vaccine. Well, this is the beginning of the article. It also goes into how he's involved with gain of function research and funding. So this is a guy. <laughs> oh my God. Where, where the, obviously the reason he does want to debate RFK Jr. is, is, you know, well, we went over the lawsuit <laughs> that, like, that, um, all these things would come up. And of course, what can a hotest would get buried by the truth and the evidence? Um, so I just, I find it despicable that, uh, you got his, uh, Pfizer pundits, uh, you know, just postulating this bullshit. Constantly, Meta Hassan, and he's doubled down. I'm like, oh my god! All the dudes, these ad hominem attacks on on RFK Jr., which are totally unfounded because the the evidence that no one wants to talk about about the mercury uh, adjuvants and the uh, uh, now they eliminated those finally, but now you have the aluminum adjuvants, uh, which are absorbed 100% by the body once you inject them versus only a small percentage if you inject ingest you know? right, right and uh, uh it's, it's just well we covered it pretty thoroughly yesterday but to the more we, i learn about this the more disturbing it is that 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 big pharma's got the mouthpieces the stooges that just lie 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 to us constantly you know just yeah. thoroughly and the other yeah. things go ahead sorry uh, no go ahead I, I actually i'm gonna queue up Keep talking. I'm going to keep the Dr. David Martin, who testified in front of the European Parliament. um, I've put an article in the chat. He's a patent analyst, what he does for a living, and uh, many other things. But um, he did a detailed review of 73-plus patents relevant to COVID, and the facts are shocking and speak for themselves. We talked about that he said back in the late 60s that the cold virus was – was uh, gain-of-function chimeric into coronavirus. That's what he said. And then he said they developed a, um, oh, it took a little while to develop an RNA vaccine to be used in rabbit farms and puppy mills, which didn't work. So there is no new warp speed. That's propaganda. And and uh, obviously Fauci knows that. And right. uh, I, I don't understand... I'm just the layperson, and I can access this in the public domain. So Trump, with all his cabinet members and stuff, you're going to tell me he didn't get this inside scoop on all this? And I, I don't get it, you know, or that he couldn't find out what was happening. You had Dr. Zelenko, who was supposedly, not only that, he Trump supposedly assigned, talk to me about that, Trump assigning RFK Jr. initially, uh, to meet with Fauci, remember? Um, that's right. okay. So, 
he must have got the news about what was really happening, and they chose to spill out a bunch of nonsense. Am I right or wrong about that? I mean, I don't know how else to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Hotez, actually, this is a, I'm not going to play. It's just too long. It's about seven minutes. But if you go on Jimmy Doors. Oh, that's thing. funny. That compilation, is that the one you're seen that seven-minute thing? It's hysterical. Oh, right. God, yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is he, Jimmy Dore writes, can anyone watch this video without getting enraged? Yeah. So it's, it's more of Kotek. And it's amazing how people buy his bullshit that yeah. he doesn't want to. This guy doesn't want to debate. He's too good to debate RFK Jr., but yet he goes on TMZ Live, right? <laughs> he goes on TMZ Live. He'll go on anywhere where he knows they won't challenge him, right? They well, simply won't challenge him. It's so disingenuous. He's the one who sparked this uh, Twitter battle uh, after insulting Rogan, after being on Rogan's show, right, for three hours. Right. Then RFK Jr. does his piece, and Hotez jumps on Twitter and disparages, you know, both of them. I mean... He's the one who, who, he brought this upon himself, you know, and it's really, I think, the Streisand effect has really backfired on them, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, well, they, I think so. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, so. <clears throat> there are, once again, we're in a position where I think lines are drawn mm -hmm. in the sand. In other words, if you believed all this stuff that Fauci and Hotez and all the others promoted for three years, you believe it. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. All right. There are very, very few people out there who are have a uh, enough self-esteem and, and a small enough ego to be able to say, "Oh, I was wrong. I was fooled by these yeah. people." You know, and so a guy like Hotez, people who believed him and Fauci all along, now can, can continue to believe him and Fauci. The people who did not like him and Fauci all along, no what they are, and they're never going to like them, and they're going to want them, like me, they're going to want them brought to justice. So it's, it's, it's that position now where I don't think we're going to get many new people to say, oh, yeah, wow, look at that. I was lied to for three years. Because you and I have talked about that, right? A lot of people don't want, they can't admit that to themselves. They, their ego can't take that kind of a hit where they – they wore masks for no reason. They got the vaccines for no reason. They got the vaccines and they don't know if they don't want to admit that something bad could happen to them from forgetting the vaccines in the future. Who wants to believe that? Right. Yeah. Bill, who wants to believe that they got a vaccine that can make them drop dead any moment? Well, personally, like a heart attack or a blood clot or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, I have a different perspective on life. I would be like, OK. It can do that, so let me see. Like, I've even done the research so I could share it with people up on natokinase and uh, N-acetylcysteine and even chelation uh, if can help some people from what I'm, you know, Dr. Pierre Corey just studying what he's, what they come back with and uh, some of the other good doctors. And, and so, um, you know, if I, if I had gotten the vaccine, I'd be like, all right, now, this this is some crap in my body that hopefully I can find a way to get rid of it. You know what I mean? That's be my mentality, but everybody's different. And uh, uh, unfortunately, they keep getting the snowed with the constant propaganda, so it's hard for them to see it differently. 
you know, they keep hearing a guy like Hotez and they don't realize what a pathological psychopath and liar this guy is, you know, and, and how he's really an evil person when you come down to it. Cause he's got to know better. You know, we, oh, he's we, incredibly evil. Yeah. The guy is, how about this thing where he's like claiming that it's harassment because people are asking him questions. Oh, I know. It's not, it's not harassment no, when someone not. asks you a question. What is oh. this? What, what what kind of a snowflake is this? This little pussy this guy is. It's not harassment. Someone asking you a question is not harassment. All hey, right? Mike, <laughs> I got arrested four, four times, once for trespassing, breach of peace, and a corrupt attorney's building. I wasn't even in his office anymore. And then four, I was allegedly harassing people who should have been reporting the crimes I was bringing to them. <laughs> you know, it's outrageous because I right. persisted. Yeah. I'm like, no, I want you dealing with the Catholic Church. You know my stories. I don't need to go into it. So, so you know, no, this is what the corrupt elite do. They whine harassment. They whine, you know, you somehow were trespassing when you were told to go see them. I mean, just bullshit after bullshit. And unfortunately, we got too many cops who are corrupted. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem. We got a bunch of corrupt state's attorneys, right. and they're all part of the, uh, I call it, I hate to say the elites because they're just predators. They're freaking scum. They're all part of the predator class, you know, and they, they, they suck off the public tit. You know what I mean by that? The tax <laughs> dollar. Yeah. They're pathetic. They're despicable human beings, and they abuse right. their power on top of it, and Unfortunately, that's what's running this, the situation at this point. So um, there's one other thing I wanted to say about, you know, there's a saying, it's a maxim, uh, fraud vitiates all, everything. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about COVID, the very first fraud is the PCR, which Kerry Mullis designed, to, as he said, to create a whole lot of something out of something. He never right. said he created it to use as a diagnostic tool. No. He didn't. No. And they, they picked that up. And, of course, they amplified, if you have a fraction of a dead virus in your schnazola, they amplified it what, what, 38 to 40 times until they got a positive, basically. And even people sent in, apparently there were doctors and politicians who sent in, like they would take the uh, the swab and put it in an orange or in a goat's nose or, you know, anything, anything or everything, even nothing, and they got false positives. You know what I mean? It's all yeah, false. Yeah. Right. Absolute bullshit. And so when you have that, you can't build a policy of, of a, you know, any type of health policy when your basis, your very foundational basis for everything is a complete fraud, a, a fraudulent PCR quote-unquote test. Right. You see what I mean? Everything exactly. else falls away. But you exactly. can't, you can explain that to a judge. Look at, look at attorney Robert Barnes and, and with Brooks Jackson. It doesn't matter. The judges are, are all in. You know, that's the problem. Like George Carlin said, the state houses, the courthouses are all bought out. They're all bought so, out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they do. It's maddening. Well, I'll no. tell you what, it makes me really believe that Satan fell with one third of the angels, the Mephistophelian minions, ruled this world. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you got you to gotta say, how else can you see it? You know what I mean, Mike? It's absolutely insane. That's a good point. That's huh? a very good point. Yeah. But anyway, I know Daniel's been waiting a long right, time. And Thanks, man. Thanks. I want to hear some stories, Daniel. I want to yeah, hear stories. Have some stories. He always has some stories to tell. Pulling Mike around, and next thing you know, Mike will be doing pull-ups and <laughs> yeah. trying to keep up with Daniel. Maybe that's stories. what we'll do. Maybe we'll do a special podcast of me and him walking and doing calisthenics in San Francisco. 
And that could be an interesting podcast. I wonder, Daniel could probably do a one-handed push-up. I used to be able to do when I was training hard. When I was behind the I back. Evolved. Yes, behind the back. Behind the back, yeah. So you have one hand behind your back, and you do one-handed push-up. Now, I know Daniel said he cycled and he ran, so his body's still okay. I should have listened. Yeah. Mike, I should have listened to my grandma. I'll, let me just say this. She used to say, Billy, play, play, play. But play mm-hmm. piano. Don't play football. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to end up all corrupt, uh, banged up and everything, you know. There you go. She yeah. said, you'll be just like Liberace. You have a deep voice. You'll have all the pretty women. And that right away threw me. I said, Grandma, have you seen Liberace? I said, I'll have all the pretty men. I don't want to be like him. I said, they're going to play football. <laughs> yeah. Say hello to my brother, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He gave me the creeps. I couldn't stand watching that guy on TV. <laughs> <laughs> my mother loved him. The women loved him, though. I don't understand it. Oh, uh, you know, it was the talent of playing the piano and all those, all the jewelry. And the glitter, yeah. Okay. And the glitter. And the fact that the women know, because they have this sixth sense, right, about men, oh, that okay. he'd never be threatening to them. Oh, I see, I see, yeah. I see. Right, yeah. Female intuition. Female intuition. Ah. It was that energy. That he was like one of them, you know. So that's yeah, what yeah. he'd never be threatening to them. Oh, yeah, I guess men are. Yeah, of course Come he on. denied it. He denied it his whole time, just like Rock Hudson. Yeah, well, times were different. I think if Liberace were now, yeah, he probably would never deny it, you know. But it was, like, yeah. but he was so obvious, right? I mean, come that's on. what I mean. It's like, how could you not see it? <laughs> Flamboyant, Bill. Uh, <laughs> you know, if only if only Billy Joel was born earlier and with that beautiful Christy Brinkley, I might have taken up piano. You know what I mean? If I was yeah. like, yeah. him as a role model, maybe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Bill, thanks for the call. All have right, good talk. All right, have a good night. Now, before I go to Daniel, I do want to play, this is a quick clip. This is of Rand Paul on Jesse Waters ripping Trump for keeping Fauci around so this is this is Rand paul talking about him keeping fauci around fauci was a menace to the truth talk about a fount of uh, misinformation it's anthony fauci more misinformation came out of the government than any other source so he should have fired him and the president responded to that question listen Ron DeSantis loved Fauci. Sure, but you didn't fire him. You listened to him. No, you well, kept he's him a civil service for you. You're not actually allowed to fire him, but I wouldn't let that usually get in my way. You know, it's one of those things. But I never spent a lot of time with Fauci. Who did is Biden. Fauci became very powerful under Biden. Is Fauci going to play a big role in the Republican primary? It may, because Fauci did stick around. There may be civil service rules about actually firing him, but there's no reason he had to head up the pandemic committee, the COVID committee. So he was on the committee. In fact, if not the lead, he was the committee with uh, the vice president. They met all of the time. And if you talk to Robert Redfield, he was pushed out. He was the one sane voice on the committee, and he was pushed out by Deborah Burks and pushed out by Anthony Fauci. And they, they spread the misinformation that immunity didn't work. The one thing that could have saved thousands of lives before the vaccine was that the nurses and the assistants and the people taking care of people in the nursing home, we should have put people in those positions who had already been infected and recovered, knowing that naturally acquired immunity would then protect those senior citizens from getting infected. And we never 
did that because Fauci kept saying, well, we're not sure, we're not sure. Well, immunity, we are pretty certain of. That's what vaccines are based on, is naturally acquired immunity from the disease. We try to simulate that with a vaccine. So, but by denying it, I think many lives were cost, and there would have been a better way, I think, under the Trump administration to marginalize and push Fauci out of the spotlight and keep his nonsense and his misinformation from infecting the rest of us. So what's- well, first of all, the Trump lied again. Well, what is, where are any facts or evidence that DeSantis loved Fauci? Do you remember DeSantis ever loving Fauci? This guy was for lockdowns and, and mandates and uh, masking, everything they didn't do in Florida. So when, when does DeSantis, the only, DeSantis would always disparage Fauci, right? Talked about kicking him across the Potomac. When did DeSantis love Fauci? What's he talking about? Is he talking about because DeSantis didn't come out and publicly embarrass Trump and tell him to fire Fauci? Why would he do that? Why would a Republican governor do that to a Republican president? So Trump is lying again. And like I said, Rand Paul makes the point that I made an hour ago. We're not saying that Trump had the right or could have fired Fauci from his NIH position, right? His high up $400,000 a year, great pension position. But he didn't have to keep him front and center. That's what we mean by fire. Get him out of the spotlight. Put someone like Scott Atlas at that podium running the COVID policy instead of Fauci. That he had every right to do. He never should have brought in Fauci in the place. Like I said, if he had investigated Fauci for 10 minutes and seen what he had done during the AIDS crisis and the way the AIDS activists hated him, he would have brought him into this. He already failed big time in the 80s and 90s, but Trump doesn't do research. Hey, Daniel, I know you have a lot to add about this. How's it going? Are we doing some crunches, pull-ups? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm out here on my 17.5-mile walk. Um, yeah. Strutting through the worst parts of uh, San Francisco with nothing armed with nothing more than my uh, obviously intimidating walk. Um, <laughs> hmm. Well, look, you walk like you're going places. Well, you know, you got places. somewhere to go. Five miles is a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> you got somewhere to go. You have a mission. You walk with a purpose. Let's put it that way. You don't yeah, look like a tourist. You don't look like a tourist. Well, yeah, I do have a couple Hawaiian shirts, but they just they remain in the closet. <laughs> I, I should bring them out and see if it changes the situation markedly for me. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I walk from my apartment, which is lower Knob Hill, to the financial district, which is 10 minutes, and I always encounter an issue. I don't know, I don't know how you do it. Well, yeah, in, in my morning walk to, to the um, BART station, um, I account, encounter uh, – more issues, yeah. Um, but but the, when I when I'm home um, after work and I'm uh, walking and, and off to the Panhandle and getting uh, exercise there, um, the um, issues are. I, I've got my favorite routes that I go that just avoid the issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. You, you do walk in possible. the. You walk in the kind of the the more upscale kind of areas away from 
Yeah. Like the, yeah, the big, I'll, the, the, yeah. yeah, I'll commonly walk down Sacramento Street through Laurel Heights area and then take Stanyan down to the um, to uh, Golden Gate Park. So it's really, you know, it's the, wor- the worst place that I'm walking then is maybe like around uh, Polk and, and Polk in Sacramento. And, and that's not bad at all. Yeah, the idea in San Francisco is to try to walk on the higher elevation, you know, streets where a lot of the homeless people can't walk. They don't want to bother going up the hills. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and climb. Yeah, and crime doesn't climb either. Is what and crime, <laughs> crime doesn't climb. Yeah, well, it seems to be creeping up all areas now. So yeah, you know. well, I was listening listening to your initial commentary about the um, Trump interview, and I was thinking, hearkening uh, back to the the Bush situation when uh, he and his cabinet and uh, many Republicans um, were lying us into the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. And that happened in March 2003 that that invasion was launched. And, what, you know, only a year later, we're 2004, it's election time. So um, Bush is, was his second term um, was saved. He was able to get a second term because uh, of this lag um, that we have between um, people getting duped and understanding that they are duped and admitting that they were duped. Um, and that takes, that takes some time for the voter to do that. Um, where Trump uh, is going to have a big problem is that he has, has had a whole presidency interceding between when, when he screwed up with respect to COVID and when he's running for re-election. So this, this would have been like Bush um, running for re-election in uh, not 2004, but in 2008, mm-hmm. by, by which time everybody clearly understood that uh, the weapons of mass destruction, which was the big motivator um, for invasion of uh, Iraq, was all a lie. Um, and they understood uh, how, much, how much harm it caused to innocent Iraqi people. Uh, and they also understood how many lives were lost, um, Americans, for all of that nothing. So Trump has, has a really big problem in that an interceding presidency has, has elapsed before he's running for a second term because people have wised up. People have their minds have caught up um, to what has happened. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big problem for him. Oh, I, I, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, and I think that um, I, I I think Trump is between a rock and a hard place. He really thought that when he launched this campaign, you know, back in what November, that it was going to be easy for him. Remember, his thinking was that all of his candidates in the midterms were going to win, right? All those primary candidates, the, his candidates that won the primaries, were going to win in November, and they all lost. And that was a big miscalculation to begin with. But then the problem was everything was going, right? He had everything set up. We had the announcement set up, and he was prepared to make that big announcement at Mar-a-Lago with all of his winning candidates at his side. And there was no one at his side because they all lost. And then he still had to announce because everyone was expecting him to announce, right? And then on top of that, all of his candidates lose while Ron DeSantis wins by a million and a half votes, right? So the, every, the, the narrative that night was Trump loses, DeSantis wins. 
And that, so Trump started off on the, you know, the wrong foot right there. And it's only gotten worse since. And of course, Trump's ego is so big that since then, of course, DeSantis has gotten in and gotten momentum, has a great campaign going, has a great ground game, raising a lot of money, getting a lot of Republican defectors now from Trump to back him up. And Trump has now been indicted twice since. But his ego is so big that it won't allow him to quit. So I think Trump, I think there's part of Trump, maybe a, a good part of Trump that wants to lose. But he can't quit. He can't quit. Yeah. yeah He's going to have to be that defeated. Could be. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, I had hoped that he was going to, we knew no matter what, that um, he was, he was going to be blaming others ultimately um, for his failures with respect to the code. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, enumerated some of those. Um, but I had I had hoped that he would at least try to um, admit that there were failures and then blame, blame those failures on somebody else rather than sticking to his, his guns on this and trying to, to make the world's shittiest vaccine for the world's tamest pandemic ever um, some sort of accomplishment. It's, um, I, thought, I thought he was going to pit and say, yeah, um, I, I made some error in judgment there, but it was because I was advised by these bad people. <laughs> You know, he, well, he that's... That. Instead, he, he just he's doubling down on and, and he's down on something like I, like I said, this is an interceding presidency that's happening. It would be like George Bush running for a third term and doubling down on Iraq. Well, exactly. That's a very good point. It would be like George Bush doubling down on Iraq when everyone knows it was a failure. And that's, I think, part of Trump's ego. He can't say. He can't even say he was led astray because, listen to me, if he says he was led astray, that means it shows a character flaw that he allowed himself to be led astray. So it's like when Brett Baer confronts him with all these great people he hires who end up being fired and he ends up bad-mouthing. He can't – it's always their fault, right? Yeah, and I thought that's what he was going to do was was do that. But instead he just doubled down, which is – Kind of, which is weird to me, and so maybe it's it's, it's as you said earlier, he, he doesn't want to lose, but he wants to be defeated rather than than bow out and look weak. Well, exactly. You know, it's it's uh, he wants to, and and what he may end up doing is the usual Trump nonsense, right? Of oh, they didn't want me to win this time; they rigged it, right? They rigged it. The establishment rigged it for DeSantis. Right. Because they saw how great I was last. I can see it right now. They saw how great I was, how I drained the swamp, and they didn't want me to do that again. So, you know, it's what are the odds? You can never make any kind of statement without some superlative following. Yeah. What are the odds that Trump's going to bow out? What's what are the uh, give me the odds, Daniel, that Donald Trump, knowing all we know about him, when DeSantis defeats him? In the primary, simply going to say, I was beaten by the better camp. You see Trump saying, those, I can't even in, in, in Trump. If I get into Trump's mindset, I can't even say those words. I was I was it's like, remember Fonzie trying to say love? I, I, he couldn't say love. Remember? Yeah. And happy. I, could you see Trump saying I was defeated by the better candidate? Never. Yes. 
not going to say it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a great uh, analogy there. That movie. Um, yeah, um, I just you're right. I think it's it, it's impossible, and that's a big problem for the Republican Party because you would hope that um, if uh, DeSantis um, loses, hello, uh, those would rally behind him oh. and say we, yes. we support this candidate. That yeah. may not happen with respect. To Trump? Trump, Trump, if if Trump loses the primary, there's a good chance that he's not going to support the winning candidate. Oh, no, I think there's very little chance he'll support the winning candidate. Yeah, and, uh, and that, that's a big problem. I don't think it's a problem for the winning candidate. I think Republicans aren't going to vote for Joe Biden. They're not going to, please, I mean, they hate Joe Biden. I'm not going to want Joe Biden to be president again. So, I mean, come on. Republicans know, Democrats are too lame to know or they don't care that if Biden wins, Kamala Harris will be. You think Republicans going to want Kamala Harris to become president? So I, I think they'll all get behind. The voters will get behind DeSantis. They'll come out and vote for DeSantis, yeah, but, whether Trump endorses them or not. But, but enthusiasm is important, number one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and two, I am still not convinced that Biden is running. Well, it doesn't matter who wrote. I mean, Republicans are going to be enthusiastic to against Newsom as well, right? Maybe even more so because he's more dangerous than Joe Biden. So I think the, the enthusiasm is going to be there for Ron DeSantis. Republicans love Ron DeSantis. So I'm saying that's why Trump has this problem. He's bad-mouthing a guy that even his supporters like. His supporters have spent the last few years saying how much they loved Ron DeSantis, many of them live in Florida or they know people in Florida and they love the guy. So I think there's going to be no problem with enthusiasm. You know, I think the enthusiasm for DeSantis will be much greater than for Trump. So I I don't don't think there's any problem. Yeah, you you could be you you could be very right there. Um, I I think a lot depends on how much. how much of an a-hole Trump is um, in the intervening time, and there, and that is how much of a wedge he drives between um, DeSantis supporters and, and his supporters, um, and he, you know he, he is someone that's very capable of, of burning bridges, and and which is unlike you know most politicians because he's unlike most politicians. Right. Um, so you know that's. I think you're. I think you're potentially right with respect to enthusiasm, um, um, at least for the people that are squarely with DeSantis now. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm worried about is that those who are on the far right side of the Republican Party that are going to be Trumpers, um, do or die, and. Uh, and, and that could that could drain a significant number, and they'll stay home. That's that's what I'm mm-hmm. worried about. It is, um, yeah. but for the, I think for the, for the majority of Republicans, yeah, I think you're right. But it's it's those that'll stay home that you know four or five percent of the uh, Republican Party that can swing the election just by staying home. They said this, you know, about Hillary and uh, Biden, and Biden also that Bernie supporters would stay home, and they didn't. As much as Bernie was fucked over, at least the Republicans will allow a fair primary. Bernie was totally fucked over. I mean, it was 100% both times. 
and yet they still came out. Hillary still beat Trump by three million, and Biden still beat Trump by seven million. They still came out and voted. So what like do you think would happen? Few, you know, take, take, take a wild guess because <laughs> my guess would be as wild as yours. Um, a wild guess that what would have happened if there was a Bernie Sanders presidency during the COVID COVID years? Hmm. Um, obviously, we know what would have happened. It would have been even worse than Trump. Well, would it have? Would it have? Because remember, a lot of the uh, of the dynamics, a lot of the political dynamics that was at work here was that Trump says go up, the Democratic Party says go down. Trump says vaccines are good. Trump, they said they're bad. Trump says vaccines are bad. They say they're good. You know, it's um, yeah. it's been that reaction to Trump thing, and 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 Bernie's been you know doing the same sort of thing, pulling that uh, that. Sort of yeah. a response, a reactivity that Democrats have, have um, um, uh, the reactive behavior that they have <clears throat> portrayed over, with respect to um, Trump over the last, um, over his entire presidency in the last few uh, years. So I'm, I'm I, think, not- I think Bernie would have been just like Biden. And whatever Biden did, Bernie would have done same thing. I mean, because Bernie always was 100% supportive of everything Biden did, never criticized anything. Biden did. So didn't criticize the mask mandates, didn't criticize the uh, vaccine mandates, didn't criticize the airplane mask mandates, didn't criticize any lockdowns. Come on. Was totally promoting. I mean, we've talked about this a million times what a phony he is. You expect Biden to promote big pharma, but not Bernie, but he was. So I, I think I think Bernie would have been the same as Biden, would have been the same as Hillary. Same thing. They all would have supported all those mandates, you know, so I don't, could, I don't, th- I understand be. what you're saying about people did the opposite of what Trump said, but I just think Bernie would have been basically, it would have been the same thing if Biden were president a year earlier. If Biden were president in 2020, the same things would have happened, right? Yeah. And, and that could, and it could be, that's why I stated that, you know, Bernie did a lot of the, uh, you know, whatever Trump says, do the opposite stuff too, but he wasn't quite as politically wed to it as the DNC was led to. And ultimately, it was the DNC that sank, sank Bernie. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. so I, have to, I have to wonder if he would have deviated enough from the uh, narrative that came from the uh, Democrats, not, not just the White House, but from all Democrats over the last three years with respect to the COVID policy stuff. Yeah. Um, I have to wonder whether you deviated enough for it to matter to, matter to us. Maybe I don't know, but it's interesting to to think about um, how this big pharma hating um, socialist Democrat, how he would have done any anything any different. Mm-hmm. I mean, give, given how different he is from Biden as a Democrat, would he have done much different? It's just, yeah, big question for Mark. We'll never know, right? Of course, we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> well, ex- except in that parallel universe, yeah. In the parallel universe. Yeah, exactly. Daniel, thanks for the call. I'll Welcome. see you back Have there soon. Yep. I'll see you back there soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. Um, let's see. How are we doing here? What I want to play now for a second is the Ron DeSantis uh, little stand-up he did from San Francisco. This is Ron DeSantis. I don't know when he was in San Francisco. It was recent here. This is... This is DeSantis. We're here in the once great city of San Francisco. We came in here and we saw people defecating on the street. 
We saw people using heroin. We saw people smoking crack cocaine. And you look around, uh, the city is not vibrant anymore. It's really collapsed because of leftist policies. And uh, these policies have caused people to flee this area. They don't prosecute criminals like they do in most parts of the country. Uh, and the wreckage has really, really been sad to see. And so I've seen so many businesses boarded up. Uh, I've seen so much uh, riffraff just running around. And um, it just shows you these policies matter. Uh, leadership matters. They are doing it wrong here. No wonder why we've had so many people move from San Francisco to Florida over the last few years. We got to stop this madness. Uh, we need to restore sanity to this country. So that's great. And he's 100% right. I mean, that is basically what San Francisco is. And he's standing there. It's a graffiti on the wall and shit in the streets and all that stuff. It's just terrible. Trash all over the place. So, um, and I'm sure they didn't have to set any of that up. That's many blocks in San Francisco. So I don't think any of that is prop. The props, it's actually what the streets look like in San Francisco. So that's interesting. I don't know when he was there, but that's going to be a very big part of what you're going to play. Of course, California will still vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom, whoever it may be. Um, but um, he's 100% right. That's what's happened. Liberal policies have destroyed it. It is no longer a very vibrant city. It's a disaster zone. Do you see what Biden, Bill, I'll give you the last word in a second. I'm going to wrap the show up here. But do you see what Biden said today? He put out a tweet, very bizarre, that said, you can get married in the morning and get kicked out of a restaurant later in the day for being gay. What the hell is he talking about? And then PolitiFact, PolitiFact, the great fact checkers, fact check it as mostly true. Mostly true. Where is that happening where you get married in the morning and get kicked out of a restaurant later in the day for being gay? Where? Who go and first of all, who goes into the restaurant and says, hello, we're gay? Who the fuck are these people? And this is PolitiFact, once again, once again showing how the fact checkers are totally full of shit. Wait, so what's mostly true? That you can be married in the morning and possibly one in a five million chance get kicked out of a restaurant for being gay, maybe in Alabama somewhere. Yeah, that's true. But the, when the president of the United States makes a statement like that, it makes it seem like it's a common thing. And PolitiFact treats it as mostly true. I wonder if they would, I wonder if Trump said something similar, they would have said mostly true. But what I do remember, maybe the old rotting Alzheimer's patient doesn't remember this because he doesn't remember where he was a week ago. He could be on stage and forgets where he is and has that panicked look that Alzheimer's patients have when they don't know where they are. So maybe he doesn't remember this. I wanted to remind him, and I did on Twitter. I said, you old bastard, maybe you don't remember this, but I do remember. I'm old enough to remember not very long ago where you could be married in the morning and get kicked out of a restaurant late in the day for not wearing a mask or being unvaccinated. That for sure happened, and it happened a lot, PolitiFact. So, Bill, I'll give you the last word uh, on the show tonight. Bill, are you there? Bill? Maybe Bill didn't really want to come back on. Maybe that's a phantom. It's not really Bill. I'll leave it there just in case Bill decides he wants to come back on. Uh, but, yeah, that's just 
once again, these fact checkers are totally full of crap. You can't believe these fact checkers. They're not fact checkers. Just like we don't have journalists. These are political activists, just like journalists are political activists these days. These fact checkers are political activists. So always remember that. You know, even on Twitter, oh, by the way, I do want to mention two other things. Um, there, <laughs> Twitter's doing this thing, and I generally am okay with it, where they do community notes, right, where someone says something and they'll say, well, it's kind of not true, but kind of true, but here's the whole story, right? And uh, someone put up a, a statement and it said, RFK Jr., passes Biden in a big poll or passes Biden in the election poll. And the community standards put up this thing saying, no, he didn't really, he didn't pass Biden in polls, only favorability, not overall. And so I wrote that that's total bullshit. Who needs a community note for that? First of all, the comment, there was a poll out that showed that RFK Jr. is now ahead of Joe Biden when it comes to favorability. The tweet simply said, that RFK Jr. has pulled ahead of Biden in a election poll. That's There's nothing untrue about that whatsoever. Favorability polls are real polls, and they are very important in election cycle. It goes towards electability. It goes to electability. So there was nothing false. There was nothing that had to be corrected about that. And if adults want to do more research as to what the polls were exactly, they simply need to read the story. So there's no reason for these ridiculous community standards. People just, community notes, just do your research. Put in Google, RFK Jr., Biden poll, and it'll come up. And you'll see which polls he's ahead and which polls he's behind. Why do adults need to be told these things? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, oddly enough, Daniel, who I think is just about at the end of uh, his latest seven-day sentence on Twitter, I was banned from Truth Social. My original account, at and let's be heard, on Truth Social was banned about a month ago, and I have no idea why. I just said, look, I'm not going to bother. I'll put up and let's be heard one. And that was just banned. And it was banned after I simply promoted my show. That's all I do on on Truth Social. I don't really tweet. I just promote my show. I, I, I put up my podcast. I put up the link. And so I get a message from Truth Social saying, your account has been banned. We only ban accounts when they do the worst, most egregious things ever. I'm thinking, what did I do? I just promoted my podcast. Now, I'm no Trump fan, but come on. I mean, are they listening to these podcasts? And because I... Negative. I say negative things about Trump. They're banning me. Is that this egregious thing? I thought they were for free speech over there at Trump's Truth Social. So don't feel so bad, Daniel and others who get these Twitter bans. I've been permanently deleted twice from Truth Social simply for putting up links to my podcast. That's it. I don't say anything else. I don't say a thing. So it's very bizarre what's going on there. I think they may be a little nervous. Anybody who says anything negative about Donald Trump, they are now banning and deleting, which, of course, is exactly what they're hypocrites there also because they've railed about that on Twitter, right? That Republicans were censored and deleted. And now if you don't kiss Trump's ass on True Social, you get the worst ban. You get like they actually said this is like the, the worst. We don't we only do this to the most, you know, what the hell did I say? 
the most egregious people who say the worst things ever. I just promoted a podcast. That's all I do. Very odd. <clears throat> Very odd. Maybe someone knows Devin Nunez and can find out what the hell happened because it's hard to believe I was banned just for simply sending my podcast link. Who knows? So anyway, is, is Bill there? No, I don't think Bill's there. Nope. I don't see Bill. I thought he was, but I guess he's not. Bill, are you there? You're up there, but I don't, I don't see you. Okay. Next show. I want to remind everyone once again that tomorrow, Wednesday, there'll be no show because it's my travel day. I'm traveling back to San Francisco. I'm going to be wiped. So I'll be back Thursday night, and it'll be the regular time again. So you'll have to stay up late or listen to the replay. What can I say? 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. That'll be Thursday night. And hopefully Friday's show will have a, a film review. I haven't had film reviews in a few weeks because I've been traveling. But hopefully Friday, I intend to have a film review. So uh, we, I got to I gotta contact uh, my buddy John Williams. He's been off for a few weeks. Hope he didn't forget about me because I'm going to need him back in San Francisco Friday night. So anyway, that's my problem. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. Okay? And I'm Micah Chopley. And until we speak again on Thursday night, I want to remind everyone that your influence counts. Use it.